like that. You want to Hello, try everybody, that. and welcome to like this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are truly excited to be here today, as we always are on Fridays. It's really, it's a great weekend. It's a, it's been, it's a, it's a good week. We're getting this much closer to the NFL draft. We are twenty days away here on this Good Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Give yourselves a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. That's the word we're looking for. Man, Easter weekend. So I can say this right now. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. But with Sunday being Easter, I highly doubt we will have a Monday episode. This will be back-to-back Mondays. We will not have an episode. I think it'd be... Well, I guess, wait. So, uh, okay. No, we'll, we'll have... We should be able to have one on the 17th. We should be able to have one on the 17th of April. We'll, we'll, we'll play that out as it, as it comes along. We'll play that out as it goes along. But, uh, yeah, and I'm excited to be here today. It's a really fun show today. At least that I, I think it's going to be a fun show. I could be completely wrong about that, but I think it's going to be a fun show today. But before we get into the funness of today's show, let's go over the housekeeping lines first. First off, let's make sure to follow Logan Blyman on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. With the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. You can check out Mock Draft 1.0. 1. Well, I guess you can check out Mock Draft 1.0 and 2.0 and 3.0. All in the different forms of social media. Or you can go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com and go into the blog section and check out Mock Drafts there. Or you can scroll down to the main page as well. You can see it there. Right now, Matra 3.0 has acquired 60 views. Wow. Matra 2.0 and Matra 3.0 both are at 60 views. Way behind Matra 1.0, which received an astonishing 158 views. Which, again, for those of you who listened to Matra 1.0, I'll give yourself a round of applause. I like Matra 3.0 a lot. I like Matra 3.0 a lot. It's a long read. It's an 80-minute read if you read every single word in there. But uh, it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. Spell checked and everything. So, uh, yeah, you won't be able to read things that are spelled twice or put in there twice or spelled wrong or whatever. We went through the entire thing, Google Drive and spell check. But you know how, like, Google Drive is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. It's kind of a pain in the ass because sometimes the things they're trying to correct you on don't actually need corrected. And sometimes you feel like, well, why, why would I be right? It's telling me I'm wrong. I'm just a person. And at that, a decently average intelligent person not even like a super brainiac person or anything and i'm challenging the wit of google and my macbook like i am challenging all the powers that be that my sentence is correct even though everything in front of me is telling me it's wrong and i'm like it sounds right so we're keeping it in gosh darn it so that's what we did (laughs) so there's a few of those that might actually be uh, uh, grammatically wrong according to google drive According to Google Drive. But to me, Logan Blackman, host of the world-famous Logan Blackman show, it's correct. And what does this computer do? I mean, it houses the Logan Blackman show, but does it host the Logan Blackman show? I I can't say it does. I can't say it does, but I greatly appreciate it if you would go to theloganblackmanshow.com or check out those different social media platforms and check out Mottraft 3.0. You can also check out the other ones there as well. You can check out a few former blog posts as well. You can go over weekend or the this year's quarterback rankings or weekly quarterback rankings whatever you want to do on loganbiomshow.com go out and check the blog post because we put a lot of time and effort in those and i would just greatly appreciate it but the most important thing is that you like follow subscribe whatever on the apple podcast and spotify accounts you're listening right now the only way you know what i'm saying right now is if you're listening to the show so if you're not sure or even if you are just double check 
and make sure you are following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both of them. It can be a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's a one-star or a five-star rating, I don't care what you rate it. I don't really care because it's not one of those things where you like before you try it. You got to listen to the show and then you like it and then you put it down in the description below and you help me build on what this fantastic show is. And it's kind of a rambling-ish start to the show here. But as we've started the show off today, we started talking about mock drafts. We started about talking about mock draft 3.0. We talked over it. We went over that on Wednesday's show. Went over all the ins and outs of mock draft 3.0. And as we get closer and closer to the draft, the more and more mock drafts you will see from all different types of people with people that actually follow the draft and some people that just host a sports talk show that don't actually follow the draft but want to put their hand and have their hearsay in what they think is going to happen in the draft. Whether it's actually logical or not, which that's the beauty of the draft because I saw this on Twitter today. It was someone posting about a mock draft and people, you know, are going to dislike it. There's going to be things people don't like about something, especially when you post on Twitter. Twitter is a place that is for the most part, kind of a cesspool <laughs> of, of all the worst thoughts and ideas people have behind profiles that have either the egg as a picture, as their profile picture, or have like a football player, or something of that sort. Behind that, we don't know if the person's a man, a woman, if they're whatever whatever they are. They We do not know. They could be anything. They could be a dog, for all we know. And they're just tweeting out whatever they want because they have zero repercussions behind it. You're going to have people hating on stuff just for the sake of hating on things. And I have people that have tweeted the Logan Blackman show before commenting about a specific post or something. And then, like, how the hell did you find this? Like, this isn't something, like, this was Twitter back in in the fall. It was before Elon Musk bought it where we had this stupid, what is it on, what do they call it? The for you section and the following section. Like, the for you section just random-ass tweets that pop up of people that you're not following. And it's just like, oh, you might like this. Like, why is Roman Reigns popping up on my timeline? I don't follow the Roman... I don't follow Roman Reigns. I don't follow the WWE. So why is Roman Reigns popping up on my timeline? I don't know. But if this is how Twitter was back in the fall, I would understand people randomly finding, like, my Heisman rankings or my weekly quarterback rankings. It would make sense then, but it's like, dude... How the hell did you find this? Like, I had people tweeting at me like, Will Levis isn't a dra- isn't going to get drafted, or C.J. Stroud stinks. And this is when C.J. Stroud was a- his first year at Ohio State, where we went on a whole thing, de- uh, what do you want, defending C.J. Stroud. Went on a whole rampage, or a rampage, a-, a whole crusade, slaughtering people in the way of defending C.J., that were bashing C.J. Stroud. Even going so far as to finding a Twitter account that actually tweeted at me that had their whole page dedicated to bashing the potential number one overall pick in the draft. Like, it always amazes me like that. But this tweet that we saw earlier today, it was like, it amazed me that people hate mock drafts so much or that bash on mock drafts so much because as we've learned throughout the history of the NFL draft, as the NFL draft has become more lucrative, because back in the day, people used draft picks for, like, trades only. They didn't really look at it as a way to build rosters. They looked at it to acquire veteran players. And you've seen teams do that now. Like, the LA Rams just recently won a Super Bowl because of that. But in the same breath, though they won the Super Bowl, they ended up sucking major ass this year and ended up trading Jalen Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins. They're talking about trading Matthew Stafford away. Who knows what their goal is going to be this year? We've talked about Sean McVay might be stepping down. He said he's coming back. So 
all this stuff can be good and bad thing about going all in for one Super Bowl. But the draft now, it's like, it's so, it's this big spectacle. It's true, what do you call it? It's true, like, what, what did you call the Kardashian show? What do you call keeping up with the Kardashians? What is that called, technically? What is that called? Okay, this is keeping uh, with the Kardashians. What is this called? There's a specific genre of show this is. And I, <laughs> reality television, that's what it is, where you have all this fake drama and stuff of things that aren't really happening. The, the NFL draft is real reality television. You see people that have worked their entire lives to get to this point. They are the upper 1% of the upper 1% get to that point in their life to where they are a possible first-round draft pick. And you see players, there's going to be some that fall in the draft. And the sad thing that happens with the NFL draft is that all these players you see in these graphics before the draft, like all these players, like you watch NFL Network or ESPN and they're going into draft coverage and you see these players flash up on the screen. Not all those players are going to be successful in the NFL, which is a sad reality of the NFL draft. And then it all comes down to a different amount of circumstances because some of it goes to the players, some of it goes to the organization, coaches, whatever. But the draft is so unpredictable. It is so unpredictable. Like trades are damn near impossible to predict. You look at last year's draft. The top 10 in the draft did not change. And then once we got to pick 11, then every single trade happened, it felt like. Like, we went through 1 through 10, perfectly fine, perfectly normal, no trades whatsoever. And then 11 got traded. And then all these different picks got traded in there. Like, there's almost a 0% chance, like the, like the NCAA tournament, a 0% chance someone gets a 100% right mock draft. There is a 0% chance that happens. I guess we shouldn't say it's a 0% chance because I exist. So we might have to go like a 0.0001% chance that that actually happens. Like, it's so random. It is so random. Like, back in the, um, when Cam Newton got drafted, Jake Locker was a projected, like, late to early second, late first round, early second round pick. He gets drafted 7th or 8th overall by the Titans. Christian Ponder was drafted 12th overall by the Vikings. He wasn't expected to go that high. Like, there's so many different things that take play. Johnny Manziel was a projected top pick in the draft because he's Johnny Football. He's the most marketable thing in the world of sports at that time, and he falls all the way down to, like, 22 or something for the Browns. After they spent $100,000 to try and figure out who the best quarterback was, and they told him it was Teddy Bridgewater, and they still went, screw you, we're drafting Johnny Manziel. Like, the draft is, it is insane. It's absolute insane time, and I agree with that. I don't understand why people hate on mock drafts so much, but we're going to do that here. <laughs> I, say, I, say, I, I shouldn't say hate. Hate's a strong word. But we're going to analyze it, because I always find it interesting when a couple individuals release mock drafts. We'll only really talk about people that release mock drafts that are bigger names. I'm not going to go through every single mock draft, because you could go to Google, search 2023 NFL mock draft, and you can find mock drafts for the, like, Four straight pages of Google, if not more, of mantras that were just released today. Like, it is an insane thing that people just do for fun. And I, I understand that. Mantras are a very fun thing to do. When I get bored, I go to Mantraft Database and I just go through and pick the first round. And I go through and like, oh, I kind of like this one. I'll publish this one. And I come up with my reasonings and all that stuff. But this one is always interesting. The one person I am always interested to see is Mantras because they're always very weird. And his list in general are always odd. Always odd. Like, we talked about one of this guy's list a few weeks ago where it had, oh, what was it? Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert were in the top five quarterbacks, and Josh Allen was number five, and I think Jalen Hurts was six. 
This guy has also come out with quotes saying that Derek Carr is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He has also come out with quotes saying the Jets make 100% perfect sense for Rodgers and three days later saying they don't make any sense for Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Consistency himself, Colin Coward, he released a top 10. Top 10. It got released today. It got released at 2.34. So this is like, this is today. This is brand new today. I didn't listen to Colin Coward's show today. I haven't seen this. I saw it on Google. I clicked on it. I was going to scroll down before the show started. And I was like, no, we're going to live react to this as, I, <laughs> as I'm scrolling. It's going to get my actual live reaction to it. So it's going to be kind of fun. And of course, we'll see how it compares to my mock draft. So we'll give we'll give mock draft 3.0 view number 61. So I'll click on it here. Just a reminder for what my top 10 was for the 2023 NFL draft. Again, this will prove irrelevant in, a, in like a week or two. Like mock draft 2.0 was done after a day. That one was irrelevant after a day because the, the Cowboys went out and re-signed Leighton Van Der Esch. That made my mock draft pretty much irrelevant, along with other few things in there. But here was my top 10. Number one, we had Carolina taking C.J. Stroud. We had Bryce Young going to the Texans at two. Tyree Wilson going to the Cardinals at three. Andy Richardson going to the Colts at four. Uh, Will Anderson going to the Seahawks at five. Jalen Carter going to the Lions at six. Devin Witherspoon going to the Raiders at seven. Christian Gonzalez going to the Falcons at eight. Paris Johnson going to the Bears at nine. And at ten, Nolan Smith from Georgia going to the Eagles. So that's my top ten. Coward's top 10 scrolling down. So he's got three players in the graphic right now. We'll just start off with this. He's got Bryce Young, Jalen Carter, and Christian Gonzalez. So I would imagine those three feature in the top 10. And Bryce Young is the biggest person in this graphic. So I would imagine Bryce Young is his first overall pick. So we'll scroll down a little bit. Number one pick in the NFL draft is Bryce Young. Yeah, that makes sense. Bryce Young, to me, is the best quarterback in this draft class. We've said it before. I've said it for... A while now, and I like the the common comparison between Young and Stroud is going to be there. Like they're the top two quarterbacks, pretty much whoever you ask, the top two quarterbacks in this draft class are Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I think Bryce Young is better, but from all the reports I've been seeing, a lot of people think that CJ Stroud is going to go number one overall because of the fact Frank Reich's never coached a shorter quarterback, a quarterback shorter than six foot two. The fact that Josh McCown said, when you're living in Charlotte, we'll make sure to get you a basketball court when you're living in Charlotte. I don't know that you can take that tongue-in-cheek. You can take that with a pinch of salt, whatever. Like, you can take that as however you want. The fact of the matter is, I think Bryce Young is better. I don't want to get that skewed. Like, just because I have C.J. Stroud going first overall in the mock draft does not mean I necessarily think that C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in the draft. I am fine saying he's number two. Him and Bryce Young rotated at number one and two throughout the entire season this past year. They never broke out of number one and two, at least I, as far as I can remember. I can't remember someone breaking into that top two, whether it's Richardson or Levis or Hendon Hooker or somebody. Like, when you're comparing the two between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, the only two things, and I've said this forever, and I heard this last yesterday, watching NFL Network with my dad, and it was Mock Draft Live. Lance Zerline, who was a reporter, NFL draft guy for the NFL Network, they had Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah talking about it, and he said the same thing we've been saying for months now, pretty much years. That the only thing that really separates Stroud from Young is his size and his accuracy. And the accuracy thing, I've said Stroud's the most accurate quarterback in this class. That's not even a diss on Stroud or on Bryce Young. Bryce Young is also insanely accurate. It's just that Stroud is is more accurate and he's bigger. He's quite a bit bigger than Bryce Young. Bryce Young came into the combine at five foot ten. 
CJ Stroud's 6'3, 6'2, 6'3. Like, he is a ways bigger than Bryce Young. But every other metric you want to use to compare Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, Bryce Young is better. Bryce Young is the better quarterback. If, and I've said this before. If Bryce Young was two inches taller, we would be having a conversation about who the number one quarterback in this draft class is, and we'd be discussing this in the realm of generational talent type thing. Because that's what Bryce Young is. Like, I saw something the other day, that, and I think we brought it up on the show before, of someone comparing CJ Stroud that he was up there with the likes of Trevor Lawrence and all those guys. I don't think that's the case. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. He plays well. He played well against Georgia in the national cha- or the semifinal game. He played well against Utah in the Rose Bowl last year. Like he plays well in those big games, but there are other games where you're like, he looks a little flustered. Games against Michigan look really flustered. The game against Iowa, he put up really good numbers, but he didn't look his best. If that's, I mean, that's being really nitpicky there. But I think Bryce Young has never really once. I've never really fought, like seen Bryce Young look flustered. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe he has been flustered and I've just ignored it, but I just really haven't seen that. And he has C.J. Stroud going number two, and I think that's the next logical thing. I said this on Wednesday, that it looks like the top two picks in the draft will be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. That's what it seems like at this point in time. Now, I brought up Lance Zerline just a little bit ago. His mock draft was also very interesting, as Lance Zerline didn't have C.J. Stroud going number two overall. He had Bryce Young going one to the Panthers, Stroud going four to not even the Colts, but to the Ravens, which I think, you know, trading for Lamar Jackson, I think would make sense for the Indianapolis Colts. They've added quarterbacks in the past through free agency and trades. You look at Carson Wentz, you look at Matt Ryan. I would like to think they're done doing that, but trading for a guy like Lamar Jackson is different than trading for a guy like Carson Wentz or signing a guy like, or trading for a guy like Matt Ryan. It's totally different. You're getting in the next phase of your franchise, like, Carson Wentz, at one point, was an MVP candidate. And MVP before he got hurt against the Rams. But there were times where it was like, what is this dude doing? He's getting benched for his backup. Like, he's getting benched. He's not playing well. Every other play is a, what the hell were you doing play? Mostly in the bad category. Lamar Jackson hasn't had that. I know he won the MVP in 2019, 2020. And that was a little bit ago. But he's never come close to getting benched. And he's been the reason... The Ravens have won games. Look, Carson Wentz was not that in Philadelphia in his last few years in Philadelphia. He was not that. Lamar Jackson has been that. We said this with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. The Ravens and Bills game plan is, hey, you two, go out there and do something. Go out there and get us a win. So trading for Lamar is way different than trading for Wentz and trading for Matt Ryan. Lamar Jackson is better than both of them. Lamar Jackson now is better, like, even without the MVP, Lamar Jackson now is 10 times better than both those two. Maybe not, like, you're looking at careers. Is Lamar Jackson a Hall of Famer right now? I don't know. There's more of an argument, I guess you could say, that Matt Ryan is just because of the longevity thing. I don't think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer. I've said this before. Because remember when Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl last year, people started going, oh, now he's a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. Because Matt Ryan, if he's a Hall of Famer, then Matt Ryan is. Because Matt Ryan's had a better career than Stafford. He just doesn't have the Super Bowl. So then we're just going to throw all these different quarterbacks in. But Lamar Jackson is the most electrifying player at the quarterback position. Could you say ever? Could you say ever? Because I know Vic's up there. Obviously, Vic's for the nostalgia purposes. I know Michael Vick will be mentioned up there. But Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Michael Vick. He is. I loved Michael Vick watching him play. My uncle's a Falcons fan. I watched a lot of Michael Vick growing up. Like, how could you not enjoy watching Michael Vick? But Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Michael Vick. 
And he's bigger than Michael Vick, too. He's about two, three inches taller than Michael Vick. He doesn't have the same arm strength as Vick, but not a lot of quarterbacks do. So if he, I, I haven't even scrolled past C.J. Stroud. But C.J. Stroud going to the Ravens at four, if the Colts do end up trading, is interesting because at number two with the Texans, going back to Zerline's draft, he has Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. Because as we talked about, there were some links last week or earlier this week, I can't really remember exactly, they're like, it's not 100% confirmed that the Houston Texans draft a quarterback. But yeah, obviously, nothing's 100% confirmed at this point in time. They're going to be playing the game. They're going to draft a quarterback. I would be really surprised they didn't. But the thing is, Davis Mills is not a bad quarterback. He's not terrible. It's kind of a similar situation to that of Gardner Minshew. Like, Gardner Minshew is not a bad quarterback. This is a different situation. Like, when the Browns drafted Mayfield, they had freaking Deshaun Kaiser. That's a bad quarterback. You look at the Jets. They had an aging Josh McCown. We're just looking at the 2018 draft. They had an aging Josh McCown. The Bills had Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. The Cardinals had an aging and injury-prone Sam Bradford. The Ravens had an aging Joe Flacco. Like, all these teams needed some sort of stability there. Davis Mills is young, and Davis Mills has played well through portions of his career. Then, rather than a team trading up for number one or being in the picks, one of the picks for the first, for a quarterback, and desperately needing a quarterback, like I can see a reality where they do end up going another direction. But I would say there's like a one to two percent chance that happens. If the Houston Texans don't pick a quarterback, I would be surprised, and I'd especially be surprised if they went for Tyree Wilson over Willie Anderson. I know we said this on Wednesdays when we had Tyree Wilson going third overall. And a lot of teams reportedly have Tyree Wilson as the number one defender in the draft. But for the Texans, I think they would go with someone like Will Anderson. I think. Based off reports and stuff like that. But he has Stroud going to, which again, one and two. Stroud, Young, whatever order, that seems to be the most popular pick. Cardinals at three. Or if he has the Cardinals at three. He does. Jalen Carter. Yeah. Makes sense. We talked about this on Wednesday. When you look at the Arizona Cardinals, why we ended up having to go with Tyree, or not having to go, but why we ended up going with Tyree Wilson over, like, Will Anderson is because of the fact J.J. Watt and Zach Allen left. J.J. Watt retired, Zach Allen went to the Broncos. They have a hole at the defensive end spot in their 3-4 defense. Will Anderson is not as lengthy as Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson has 86-inch wingspan. Tyree Wilson has played along the defensive line before. Will Anderson has not. Will Anderson's more of a stand-up outside linebacker. He's compared a lot to Khalil Mack. He'd be really well in a 4-3 defense. I don't know if he would work well. If Now, this is if the Cardinals stick with a 3-4. If they stick with 3-4, Tyree Wilson makes 100% sense for the Cardinals. And that's why Jalen Carter makes sense for them as well. Because he could also play that 3-4 defensive end. Because he's not... Like, when you look at defensive tackles, he's not going to be a nose tackle. He'll be a three tech. Whether that's in a 4-3 defense or a 3-4 defense, he'll be a D... Like, he's not going to be the main cog in the middle of the defense. If this was normal circumstances, I could 100% see Jalen Carter going third overall. At this point, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at this point in time. I think talent-wise, he is better than Tyree Wilson. But at this point, given all the circumstances surrounding him, I don't think he falls out of the top 10. And there's been reports going around that he has even declined interviews to talk with teams outside the top 10. And I think the big reason for that is the Philadelphia Eagles picking at 10. He's not falling past the Eagles. He might not even fall past the Bears. There are teams within the top 10 that could use a player like Jalen Carter in the middle of their defense, and the Cardinals would be one of them. 
but I just don't think three is going to be where he goes. I think it's between Anderson and Tyree Wilson at number three. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders trading up with the Colts. That's an interesting one. I got to read this description because I... Hold on, I got to see if it goes down any further. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And this comes from the same breath that he bashed Will Levis the other day, too. So number four, the Raiders. The Raiders move up. The Colts are rebuilding their team, and they get additional picks. So the Raiders move up from seven to four and take Will Levis. I have issues with Will Levis, but he is what Jimmy Garoppolo isn't. He is healthy, athletic, and has a big arm. He'll have time to mature and develop behind Garoppolo. Uh, if they trade, it's not with the Colts. It's with the Cardinals. The Cardinals, out of the top 10 teams, are by far the most likely team to trade up. That's what it feels like at this point. We had them trading up in Mock Draft 2.0. Yeah, 2.0. We had the Raiders trading up to three with the Cardinals. Cardinals went back to seven to select Tyree Wilson. I think if they traded back, between be, be between Tyree Wilson and Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon. Because Byron Murphy, though in more of a nickel guy, Byron Murphy would be... Or, um, Christian Gonzalez would be an excellent addition to the Raven. The Car geez, the Cardinals defense. But for the Raiders, I, the trading up with the Colts, I, I'm confused. Unless he has the Colts trading for Lamar Jackson, that's the confusing part. Because even then, if they're trading back, I don't think they'd sl they'd trade for Lamar because the Ravens would want a quarterback at this point. So does he have Anthony Richardson falling that far? I don't know. And Will Levis, I'm just so torn right now about where he's going to go. I have no idea where Will Levis is going to go at this point in time. I wouldn't be, like we talked about last week, there was a point in time where I was like, there's no way he's falling out of the top 10. Now I'm sitting here on Thursday, April 6th, going like, oh, there could be a chance he falls out of the top 10. He might even fall outside the top. I don't think he'll fall outside the top 20. But top 10 is not unrealistic. And I think most teams including myself, as we have had for a while now, have him as the fourth quarterback, maybe even fifth best quarterback in this draft class. The thing is, though, between him and Hendon Hooker at four and five, he's healthy. Hooker is not. So we'll see. We'll see. But that the combine, the, the what do you want to call it? The, I don't know, the before and after pictures are weird. We talked about that on Wednesday. They are weird. They're popping up on this draft, this picture now. He is white, white, and the lighting don't help anything. Like, that's what I look like. That's what I look like now. So that's why I'm like, hey, don't do that. No, I'm, I'm joking. I look way better. <laughs> uh, number five, Seattle taking Will Anderson. Yeah, makes sense. If he's available, the Seahawks will take him. There's no really other discussion to say there. Number six, the Lions, Miles Murphy. I don't think that's out of the question. I struggle to figure out where Miles Murphy's going to go in this draft. I have a really hard time trying to figure that out because – Nolan Smith's available, Lucas Van Ness available, Tyree Wilson's available. I don't think Murphy goes before Tyree Wilson. I think there's a chance Murphy can go before Smith and Van Ness, but Tyree Wilson, no. And to the Lions makes sense. I have them like rotating between Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter. And where Miles Murphy fits into this as well is a similar situation to that of Tyree Wilson. J Miles Murphy can play inside of the defense alignment. He can play as a three tech. He's done it in the past. He can play as an out he can play as an edge rusher as well to pair with Anthony with Anthony with Aiden Hutchinson he can do all different forms of this defense so I think that makes sense but I would go with Wilson over Murphy in this case which is why we had them going Carter because that fills the whole three tech spot then the Colts at seven take Paris Johnson the tackle from uh, Ohio State he said this kid's a monster he's 315 good feet and is six foot six and a half the Colts allowed the second most sacks in the league last year so it's a position of need 
they've needed left tackle for years, so they nab him. I could see that happening. Again, I could see that happening, but again, I don't see the trade with the Raiders. And I don't really see a world where the Colts don't take a quarterback. And I'm saying that from the aspect of I don't see them either A, I see them A, either drafting one or B, trading for one. I don't think they'd pass on a quarterback or the chance to get a quarterback with their first pick in the draft. And I don't think they trade out of four, especially with a team that needs a quarterback. Especially when you look at what Jim Irsay, what Chris Ballard have said as well. I think they're going to take a quarterback. Whether that's Lamar Jackson or that's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or whoever. But tackle is a need. Their offensive line sucked last year. So it what it makes sense. It does make sense. But I, again, I just have a hard time seeing them pass the line. Number eight, he has is still the Falcons or the Ravens. Let's see. The Falcons, Chris Gonzalez. Okay, we've talked about that. We have that. We've had that. We have that pick. So no, no need to talk about that. <laughs> Number nine, the Bears, Tyree Wilson. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes 100% sense. They have interviewed Tyree Wilson. They interviewed him twice at the Combine. And one thing you, if you listen to what Ryan Pace and, uh, or Ryan Pace, Ryan Pools and Matt Eberflus have said, they like length. That's why I've been having Ty- Paris Johnson go to them. But Tyree Wilson, 86-inch wingspan, they need help on the edges. They need help on their defense in general. It makes sense. They let Robert, they trade Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack last offseason. They have a hole there. Matt Eberflus being a defensive-minded coach, if he's there, I could see them taking him. But the problem is, I don't think he'll be available at nine. I toyed with that idea in mock drafts throughout that past week when I was making mock draft 3.0. I toyed with that idea. But I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to doing it, given how a lot of teams apparently, again, this is reports, and these are reports from other people. So it's reports coming through someone else, coming through. I'm like the third-party reporter here. So there's a chance that those could be wrong about him being the top defender on a lot of teams' boards. But if those are any, have any ounce of truth, Tyre Wilson will go a lot higher than nine. Or at least higher than nine. I shouldn't say a lot higher. I, I have a hard time seeing the Bears or Tyre Wilson fall into the Bears tonight. If he's there, I can see him taking him, but I have a hard time seeing him fall that far. And then number 10, the Eagles take Peter Skronsky. We had that too. Isaac Schmello went over to the, the Steelers this offseason. Lane Johnson is getting older. Makes sense. Makes sense. Peter, Peter Skronsky is a guard tackle hybrid. Arm length is projecting him to be a guard, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I'm not too surprised by the Peter Skronsky thing. Again, I was stuck between him and Nolan Smith in my mock draft. I ended up going with Nolan Smith. But that's the top 10. Overall, do I have any real problems with it? I mean, Levis going over Richardson, I have kind of a hard time believing at this point in time. But again, it's all circumstantial. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I don't know if Richardson's going to be as high as a lot of teams have him. I don't know where Colin Coward thinks Richardson's going to go. I've seen teams link Richardson to the Patriots before. But I don't think that happens. Because I don't think he falls outside the top 10. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. But here's Coward's top 10 again. Bryce Young going to the Panthers at 1. Stroud going to the Texans at 2. Jalen Carter going to the Cardinals at 3. Levis going to the Raiders at 4. Will Anderson going to the Seahawks at 5. Miles Murphy going to the Lions at 6. Paris Johnson going to the Colts at 7. Chris Gonzalez going to the Falcons at 8. Tyree Wilson going to the Bears at 9. And Peter Skaronsky going to the Eagles at 10. Again, makes sense. Makes sense. So I'm not going to be too upset about that. And the other person that kind of divides opinions around mock draft time and just sports talk in general is Todd McShay. A lot of people listen. I mean, Todd McShay has been around for a while. Todd McShay has been around for a while. He's ESPN's 1B. He's got Mel Kuyper there, and he got the whole Todd, 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 Todd. 
like those things with um, Frank Caliendo doing those uh, impersonations back in the day. So he divides opinion, but for the most part, I don't really have a general issue with uh, the boy, Todd McShay. And if you look at his top 10, it's not too dissimilar to mine. You got number one, CJ Stroud, Texans taking Young two, Colts trading up to three to take Richardson, Cardinals taking Will Anderson at four, Jalen Carter going to the Seahawks at five, Lions taking Tyree Wilson at six, Devin Witherspoon going to the, the Raiders at seven, Car Falcons taking Christian Gonzalez at eight, Peter Skaronsky going to the Bears at nine, and number 10, Lucas Van Ness going to the Eagles. Yeah. I really have no issues with any of that. I have no real issues with any of that. Then you got number 11, Jack Smith and Jigba. Nolan Smith going to the Texas at 12. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Paris Johnson going to the, the Jets at 13. The Buccaneers trading up with the Patriots to take Will Levis. Which, again, I could see that happening. I could really see that happening. They signed Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal. They have Kyle Trask there. Maybe they want to go see have those two battle it out for the starting job. Or they trade it for a guy like Will Levis. I had them taking Anton Harrison in the draft. I had Will Levis going to 11 to the Tennessee Titans. So we'll see. We'll see. But he says, uh, welcome to the post-Tom Brady era on the Gulf Coast. The Buccaneers drafted Kyle Trask in round two of 2021. Chiefs. And signed Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal this March. But neither is a surface solution, surefire solution to the sudden void under center. Trask has nine career pass attempts. And Mayfield set to wear his fourth jersey in the past three years. Levis has some stuff to work on. Namely, his footwork and turnover avoidance. But he has the physical traits to be a franchise quarterback. He comes from a pro-style offense, has a massive arm, and can tuck and run with physicality. And with Baker and, May Baker and Trask on the roster, Tampa Bay does not have to rush him into the starting chair right out of the gate. Makes sense. Makes sense. There's a lot of teams outside the top 10 that are penciled in as could draft quarterbacks. I think there's three damn near guarantees to draft a quarterback, and that's the Panthers, Texans, and Colts. Out of the could Potentially draft quarterbacks, you're looking at the likes of the Seahawks, the Lions, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Titans. Then you've got 13 Jets, no. Patriots, maybe, depending on what they do with Mac Jones. 15 Packers, no. Commanders, yeah, they could draft a quarterback. 18, Lions is still there. Bucks at 19, Seahawks at 20. Chargers, no. Then the Ravens, possibly, depending on what Lamar Jackson future holds. The Vikings, we had them drafting Hendon Hooker, so we'll say them there. Jacksonville, no. Giants, no. Cowboys, no. Bills, no. Bengals, no. Saints, yeah. They could draft a quarterback. And you got the Eagles and Chiefs. No, no, no. But there's a few teams that are penciled under that could draft a quarterback. And the Bucks trading up with the Patriots, a team that likes to trade back. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, Miles Murphy going to the Packers at 15. They got the Joey Porter going to the Commanders at 16. Broderick Jones going to the Steelers at 17. Bijan Robinson going to the Lions at 18. So they take Tyree Wilson and Bijan Robinson. They did just sign David Montgomery this offseason. And they still have DeAndre Swift. I don't know if Bijan Robinson going to the Lions would happen. He said one of his favorite running backs to watch, or his favorite running back to watch, was Barry Sanders. So maybe they go that direction. Patriots, Darnell Wright from Tennessee going at 19. Zay Flowers to the Seahawks at 20. Uh, Chargers taking Kalijah Cansey from Pitt. Baltimore takes Quentin Johnson from TCU. Hendon Hooker, must have read the mock draft, has him going to the Vikings at 23. The Jaguars taking Dalton Kincaid at 24. Emmanuel Forbes going to the Giants at 25. Michael Meyer. The Titan from Notre Dame going to the Dallas Cowboys at 26. Bills taking Jordan Addison. Be perfectly fine with that. And the Bengals taking Deontay Banks from Maryland. Uh, Addie Tomo Adabaro going to the, the Saints at 29. The Eagles taking Will McDonald at 30. And then 31, Felix Anaduke Uzoma going to the Chiefs at 31. And then Mozzie Smith going to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 32. He has Jalen Hyatt going to the Texans at 33. Jameer Gibbs going to the Cardinals at 34. Julius Brents. 
going to the Colts at 35. Then you got Keely Ringo going to the Rams at 36. Any other key ones here that you want to talk about? Osiris Torrance going to the Panthers at 39. Darnell Washington to the Saints at 40. Drew Sanders going to the Titans at 41. Uh, Brian Branch going to the Jets at 43. Anybody else? DJ Turner to the Patriots at 46. John Michael Schmitz to the Commanders at 47. Jack Campbell going to the Lions at 48. He feels like a Lions player. Anton Harrison, who we had going to the Bucks in the first round, goes to the Bucks at 50 here. Then we have Dewan Jones to the, the Miami Dolphins at 51. Steve Avila going to the Seahawks at 52, which I think makes sense. Zach Charbonnet going to the Bears at 53. Then we got Sam Laporta. We got two Iowa guys going to the Detroit Lions here. Scroll down. Let's find the next Bills post. Riley Moss, another Iowa guy, going to the Bills at 59. I don't think the Bills really need secondary pieces right now. I think they're pretty set in that category. They signed Taylor Rapp. Uh, Jordan Poyer re-signed. Got, they drafted Kyrie Elam in the first round pick last year. I don't think that's the direction they're going to go. And then you got scroll down. Do they have a third round? He does not. But if I'm looking at the Bills, just because you know they're my favorite team and they have not a lot of picks, they only have six picks in this draft at least currently. They obviously could they could be opened more picks if they trade back, which is likely. The Bills like to trade around in the draft, whether it's trade down or trade back, trade up in the draft. But Jordan Addison and Riley Moss, I mean, I can't say I'd be too upset with that. But if I'm looking at the Bills' biggest needs going to the draft, in no particular order, it's linebacker, off to line, and then receiver. Like, I don't put corner that high. And I'd even put edge rusher up there. I'd put running back up there over corner. You could put safety. Maybe he has an idea of Riley Moss moving to safety, which I could see because Micah Hyde was a corner at Iowa, moved over to safety when he got to the Bill or he got to the NFL. So I could see that being a case here. But. I would say, like, and we're not even taking out running back. If we're going just off the line in general, I'm talking about tackle, guard, and center are all available options for the Bills. I mentioned Joe Tippman, the center from Wisconsin, going to the Bills in the first draft, the in mock draft 3.0 the other day. Six foot six center can play guard if need be. Steve Avila, I think, makes sense as well. He's a natural guard, but can play center. Bills have been linked with him. They interviewed him a few times at the combine. Tight end, I think they're going to be looking for a tight end number two in this draft because they've been trying to do that for a few years now. Haven't really filled that hole yet. Tommy Sweeney tried to fill the hole. You had uh, Quentin Morris try to fill that hole. They signed O.J. Howard. That didn't work out. They cut him after the preseason. So there's a lot of different things the Bills could do. And there's been a graphic going around today of looking at the Bills draft picks from this past however many years. I, I got to find the, the exact list because I want to make sure I got it exactly right. Like go in order. Cause I know the picks, but I'm gonna get it. Ex- I'm not gonna get the exact order. Ah, crap! Of course, it's not gonna pop up, is it? Was it Buffalo Fanatics had it? Someone posted it, and I can't remember who the hell it was. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. Every AFC East team's last ten first round picks. So here's the Bills' top last ten first round picks. So you got Kyrie Elam. They just drafted uh, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. Tredavious White, Shaq Lawson, Sammy Watkins, EJ Manuel, and Stephon Gilmore. And they asked how many first-rounders did the Bills hit on? I think the three that stand out right away are Josh Allen, Tredavious White, and Stephon Gilmore. Like, Stephon Gilmore is an NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He, I know he did that on the Patriots, but that dude, Gilly Lock, like, this dude's one of the best corners of his generation. Like, since he's been in the league, since he left the Bills, essentially, he's been one of the best corners in the NFL. But I would even throw in Tremaine Edmonds. Like, Tremaine Edmonds is a hit. 
Tremaine Edmonds, I know the Pro Bowl doesn't hold that much weight anymore, but he still made some Pro Bowls. He played really well. He was a team captain for the Bills, signed a massive contract with the Bears. Like, it may not have gone, like, as perfect as it could have gone, but especially when you look at, like, Shaq Leonard were in that draft, uh, Fred Warner was in that draft. You look at those two and you go, like, well, maybe the Bills should have taken those guys instead. But Jermaine Edmonds played really well in Buffalo. He was a captain almost every year he was there. I have no issue with him. I think Greg Rousseau and Kyrie Elam will turn out to be really good players for the Bills. I think this is Ed Oliver's last year in Buffalo. If he even makes it this year in Buffalo. Who the hell knows? He's been posting all these different things. They've been linking him to trades with the Bears because he went on Instagram, posted all these different stories of all his favorite sacks from this past season. They were against the Vikings, Packers, and Lions. So who the hell knows what's going on there? Trey White, obviously, we know how great he is. Shaq Lawson. He's been all right in Buffalo. Uh, he's I high-fived him when we were at the Bills-Dolphins game this past December. Sammy Watkins should have been really good. When they traded up in that draft, I thought they were taking Khalil Mack, which would have been pretty freaking nice, wouldn't it? And they had other receivers, like Mike Evans was in that draft, Odell Beckham Jr. was in that draft, a receiver they're linked with right now. Uh, EJ Manuel, the only quarterback draft in the first round of 2013. Geno Smith was in the second round of that draft. Not a great draft for quarterbacks. Not a great draft for quarterbacks at all. And EJ Manuel stuck with Doug Marone. Never really given a, a shot. The coaching staff kind of screwed him over on that one. My dad's a firm believer in that. They have Thad Lewis there. They had Matt Castle, Kyle Orton. Was Matt Castle there with EJ? Kyle Orton was there. They brought in Tyrod Taylor. Like, they, EJ Manuel never really got a true, true shot to be the Bills' starting quarterback long-term. And to be honest, with Josh Allen there, I'm perfectly okay with that now. I'd be, I'm perfectly fine with Josh Allen being there. E.J. Manuel was a, what do you call it, a required sacrifice for this. But it's funny, it's just funny how this all works out with like, all the players that get drafted in the first round, they are seen as the top upper echelon of players coming out of college. And there are players that are drafted in the first round, like this draft. There are players, Sammy Watkins is the fourth overall pick. There are a lot of players in that draft. I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a decent amount of players that were drafted that year that are better than Sammy Watkins. Namely, the receivers that are taken after him. Namely, the player that was taken one pick after him. Like, and Sammy Watkins was perceived as a can't-miss prospect. You saw what he did at Clemson. He was elite-elite at Clemson. It just didn't work out. It sucks. It didn't work out as good as what it could have been. Sammy Watkins is not a bust by any means. Sammy Watkins has been a, when healthy, been a semi-reliable option out wide. He's never been a bad receiver. He just can't stay on the field. When he was in Buffalo, him and Tyrod had a really good relationship. My dad, he was my dad's favorite player for a little bit. But every player that's in this first round of the draft, people are looking at like these guys could be potential franchise savers for some teams, especially the quarterback position. And the fact of the matter is it's not all going to work out. I remember draft, like draft graphics back in 2018 with Josh Rosen in them. You look at today, the here and now, as we sit here on April 6th in 2023, if you would have said back then that Josh Rosen's not even going to be on a team, and if he is, he's just going to be on a practice squad, and he's going to be the four-string quarterback behind, like, Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, you're going to be calling you crazy. Tenth overall pick in the draft. Now he's struggling to find a roster spot. Like, an, even a practice squad roster spot. Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team. Sam Darnold's on his third team. He's going to be the backup quarterback, if not third-string quarterback, to a guy that was picked with the very last pick of last year's draft. And Brock Purdy. If you would have said that in 2018, that Sam Darnold, who was considered by most to be the best quarterback in that draft class, would be, be would be behind a guy from Iowa State, I would have called you absolutely crazy. But that's the beauty and the curse of the NFL draft. 
And one thing that's been pointed out recently is that linebackers in the first, like, you know the old saying, like, don't draft a running back in the first round. Like, it's one of those super old sayings. It's like, don't draft a running back. Never draft a running back in the first round. And you can see the logic behind that. You can see the logic behind it. I mean, you look at, like, some of the top guys in the NFL right now at the running back position. You look at just the first guy that popped my head, Alvin Kamara. Third-round draft pick. Like, just look at all the teams in the NFL right now. You've got the Ravens had J.K. Dobbins drafted him in the second round. Joe Mixon, I believe, was a second or third-round pick. Najee Harris was a first-round pick, but Nick Chubb was a second-round pick. Jonathan Taylor was a second-round pick. Damian Pierce, I think, was a third-round pick. Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. Uh, Javante Williams was a second-round pick. Austin Eckler was either undrafted or a seventh-round pick. I can't remember. Who knows if he's going to be on the roster this year, though. Tony Pollard wasn't a first-round draft pick. I'm just looking at the teams and trying to remember which teams drafted running backs or what where, where the running backs were drafted. Aaron Jones was in a first-round draft pick. A.J. Dillon was in a first-round draft pick. Dalvin Cook was in a first-round draft pick. Tyler Algier was in a first-round draft pick. Uh, Miles Sanders, the Panthers running back, wasn't a first-round draft pick. Alvin Kamara, we brought him up, wasn't a first-round draft pick. Jamal Williams wasn't a first-round draft pick. Rashad White wasn't a first-round draft pick. James Conner wasn't a first-round draft pick. Cam Akers wasn't a first-round draft pick. Who else do we Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall weren't first-round draft picks. Like, there's a lot of good running backs that were not drafted first round. Obviously, there's good running backs, like Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Like, good running backs have been drafted in the first round. But there's a lot of running backs you can get later, especially with the timetable for running backs in the NFL right now, where people are viewing them as a fading asset where they don't want to put a lot of money into the running back position. Because you look at that a few years ago, when the likes of David Johnson got a massive contract, Le'Veon Bell got a massive contract, Zeke got a massive contract. All these different running backs got massive contracts and then did nothing after that. Todd Gurley got a massive contract. Zeke just got cut. Todd Gurley retired. Then you've got, who else did we just mention? David Johnson. I don't know where he's at now. He was dominant his first year in the league or first two years in the league and then nothing. Le'Veon Bell is boxing uh, JMX. Like, what? There's These guys aren't in the league anymore. Melvin Gordon wanted a massive contract extension and he was on the Chiefs practice squad when they just won the Super Bowl. All those guys were first round. Well, Le'Veon Bell wasn't. David Johnson was. But, but <laughs> hold on here. Zeke, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, first round draft picks out of the NFL. Essentially. Essentially. Melvin Gordon's still somewhat serviceable. Zeke could be serviceable, but who wants to take his contract on? So you can see the logic there. You can see the logic without drafting running backs in the first round. But Matt Miller, who was, uh, works for ESPN, used to do his own thing, uh, worked for Bleacher Report at the time as well, does a lot of NFL draft coverage. He said, for all those, quote, don't draft a running back in the first round talk, don't draft, not drafting a linebacker might be in the conversation. And I semi-agree with this, looking at some of the linebackers on this list. So he's got the list of linebackers drafted in the first round from 2022 down to 2015. And here are the players that were drafted. Quay Walker was the first running, first linebacker sorry, taken in last year's draft from Georgia. Uh, the only thing I can really remember Quay Walker doing last year is getting ejected twice. For hitting a ref or hitting doing some stoop or hitting a um a trainer. It's hitting a trainer, pushing a trainer or coach out of the way. Got ejected twice, once at home, once in Buffalo. Devin Lloyd for the Jaguars. I don't really remember what a lot that he did this year. He was, I think he was my number one linebacker. Him and Quay Walker kind of rotated. N'Kobe Dean was definitely up there as well in Philadelphia. Who else was up there from last year? I I don't remember. Channing Tindall was up there for a little bit. 2021, Zaven Collins and Jamin Davis. Neither have done anything. Neither have done anything. Both are still on their teams, I believe. <laughs> Could be completely wrong. But Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, Jamin Davis from Kentucky, 
yeah, they haven't really done a whole lot. 2020, Isaiah Simmons, teammate of Zayvon Collins. Isaiah Simmons came into the draft as a linebacker, safety, corner, defensive end hybrid. <laughs> he didn't really have a position. Loved Isaiah Simmons. And he's been all right in his time in the NFL. Kenneth Murray has been all right. Jordan Brooks has been all right. Patrick Queen has been good. Patrick Queen's been good. He's probably the best linebacker of that draft class. 2019, Devin White and Devin Bush. Uh, Devin Bush was good early on, not really so much anymore, and I haven't heard a lot of Devin White since he won the Super Bowl. I know Devin White's good, but I just haven't heard the same hype around Devin White since then. Uh, 2018, uh, Roquan Smith. I think he's the highest-paid linebacker in NFL history. Signed with the Ravens. Signed a contract extension with the Ravens. Then Tremaine Edmonds, we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch and Rashawn Evans. I don't know where Rashawn Evans is at now. He was on the Titans because I remember that draft because I had Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans going to the Titans in the first round. I got rotate between the two, and they ended up both going to the Titans. Harold Landry went in the second round. But I don't know where Rashawn Evans is now. Uh, Gerard Davis went to the Lions. Didn't, that didn't work out. Reuben Foster. Uh, that, yeah, that, that one didn't work out. He was with the 49ers, got cut from there, and then went to the Washington team and then uh, towards ACL like his first day at practice or something. A lot of off-the-field stuff too. Darren Lee to the Jets, that didn't work out. And Stephen Anthony, I don't know. I- I'm sorry. I try to be like as up-to-date on this stuff as possible. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this is. I'm completely sorry. I don't know who Stephen Anthony is. The 2015 draft was one of the first, one of the drafts I really remember watching, and that was Jameis Winston. I mean, it was not that long ago, but Jameis Winston, Mark's Mariota draft. But I don't remember who this guy is. He's currently a Clemson graduate assistant. He was on the Saints. He got drafted by the Saints with 31st pick, played two years there, played two years in Miami, and then was a practice squad guy in Atlanta, New York Jets, and the Saints, and then the Cardinals. And now he's with Clemson. Yeah, I, I, the pick originally belonged to the Seahawks was traded to the Saints in the Max Unger Jimmy Graham trade. I don't know who this is. I'm not even gonna try in front on that. I don't know who this is. I know who every other linebacker that I just mentioned is in this. I do not know who that is. So there again, like the the whole thing with the running back position started when you draft running backs high. The last running back that got drafted really high was Saquon Barkley. And then you look at after that, Saquon Barkley got drafted second overall. And then he had those years where he was just hurt all the damn time. And then he got really good again last year to remind people how good he was. He's got a little, he got franchise tagged. But other than that, like Najee Harris was drafted in the 24th. Who was 2019? Josh Jacobs was drafted 28th. Then 2020. Clyro Zolaire was drafted 32nd. Jonathan Taylor fell to the second round. DeAndre Swift fell to the second round. Then you've got 2021 was Najee Harris. Then Travis Etienne. 2022, nobody. So since Saquon Bartley, the running back position in regards to draft stock has plummeted. Like, they were back in the early 2000s. It was like peak running back fandom. Like, Ricky Williams. Not in the 2000s, but, you know, that era. Like, mid-90s, early 2000s. Like, Kajana Carter was a first overall pick by the Bengals from Penn State. Got hurt. Never really did anything else in the NFL after he got hurt. LT was a top five pick. Ladanian Tomlinson. And Ricky Williams, the Saints traded their entire draft to get him. Edron James was a top five pick. Take him before Edron, or take him before Ricky Williams. That one worked out really well. They were slighted at the time for taking Edron James over Ricky Williams. It worked out pretty damn well for the Colts. Edron James is one of my favorite running backs of all time. One of my favorite players of all time, not just running backs. And you look at one draft. 
it was Ronnie Brown, Cadillac Williams, and I think Cedric Benson were all top five picks. I think that was the that was the draft. It was 2005. It was Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith draft, right? 2005 NFL draft. Let's see where the running... I think there was four... Yeah, yeah. It went Ronnie Brown, number two, Cedric Benson, number three, or number four, and then Cadillac Williams going number five. Like, it... Running back position used to be super valued in the draft. Then you look at the next year's draft. Reggie Bush going second overall. You look at 2007, that we had Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch going the top 15. Then we have 2008, Darren McFadden going in there. And then we have 2009. Do we have any running backs going high here in 2009? No, Sean Moreno went number 12 to the Broncos. Any other running backs going in there? Donald Brown from UConn. Beanie Wells from Ohio State. I forgot about him. Then we got 2010. Any running backs going super high in 2010? C.J. Spiller, Bills legend. Ryan Matthews, Chargers traded up from him for him. Traded up for uh, Melvin Gordon as well a few years later. I liked Ryan Matthews at Fresno State. Dude was really good at Fresno State. But the running back, you're not going to see that anymore. You're not going to see that anymore. Running backs getting drafted that high. Bijan Robinson, as we've talked about before, Bijan Robinson is a top five player in this draft. One of those people that I've seen on Twitter, you see this like once a year in regards to certain NFL draft prospects, like gold jacket guys. Like Saquon Barkley was considered a gold jacket guy when he got drafted second overall. Quentin Nelson was a gold jacket guy when he got drafted. Just looking at 2018. Like, you have those types of players, and Bijan Robinson's listed as that, but the problem is those two, Barkley and Nelson, went in top six. Bijan Robinson's not going to top six. Bijan Robinson might go 10th. That's going to be his peak. Might go to the Eagles at 10th, but I don't think that's going to happen. Given how Howie Roseman has built up his teams, I don't think that's going to happen. They need a running back. They did They signed Rashad Penny, I believe, this offseason. Miles Sanders went to Carolina. So they're going to need something there. But Bijan Robinson is going to drop off a little bit in the draft. We had him going to the Chargers at 21 or 22, depending on how you look at it. So we'll see. But the linebacker thing, like in this draft, there's going to be one linebacker taken in the first round this year. And it looks like it's going to go to the Bills. It looks like the Bills are going to do that. But again, as we just talked about a little bit ago, the Bills have other needs on the roster outside linebacker, but linebacker is currently the most pressing need. And when you look at how like we talked about with Howie Roseman, how he's built his teams. You look how Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have built their teams. Josh Allen, other than Kelvin Benjamin, has never played with a first-round pick on offense. Has never played with a first-round pick on offense. Every player the Bills have had on offense, whether they traded for him, drafted him, signed him, only one first-round draft pick has ever played with Josh Allen, and that was Kelvin Benjamin. And that worked out tremendously for the Buffalo Bills, obviously. <laughs> now, if you want to use Stephon Diggs as an example of that because they traded a first-round pick for him and they were going to use that pick on a wide receiver anyways, sure, you can look at it like that, but Diggs was a fifth-round draft pick. Or around that draft. Fifth, I think it was fourth, fifth-round draft pick, if I remember correctly. The Bills will build, they like their D. Sean McDermott's a defensive-minded head coach. This is what we talked about with Matt Eberflus drafting a defensive guy at nine. If Tyree Wilson fell that far, they would take him. Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy. They have holes on offense, but they want to build up their defense first because they're the mind defense wins championships. They're defensive coordinator turned head coach. They want to build their defense. And like the Bills, they have a very mobile quarterback that they ask to do a lot to help their team survive. So I would not be shot if the Bills went defense first. That's why, like, my mindset as of right now is that the Bills are going to draft a linebacker first. And whether that's Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders, I'm leaning towards Jack Campbell given his, given his size and that he is a natural middle linebacker. 
I think that makes the most sense. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Drew Sanders. I don't think Trenton Simpson will be up there. Diane Henley could be an option there. We'll have to see. But drafting a linebacker in the first round is touch, a lot touchier than I realized it was. I didn't realize it was this like hit and miss in the draft in regards to drafting the linebacker position. So we'll see. We'll have to wait and see on that. Like the receiver position is different, like in a different, whole different aspect. Like the receiver position, there's going to be some players that would be first round talents that could fall to the first round because people think they can get a good wide receiver later. Because of all these seven on seven camps, receivers are going to be the most talented they've ever been in NFL history. And it's just a fact. They're going to keep getting better and better given all these different camps, these one on one camps. They're just going to keep getting better and better. And the cornerbacks will probably get better as well. So we're in a fun time in the NFL. We're getting the most athletic, most skilled players we've ever had in league history. But the draft, you can still miss on. The draft is still crazy. It is a, what do you want to call it? It's not, per, it is, oh, what, there's some stupid phrase you could use to describe the NFL draft. I don't know. Chaotic. <laughs> like chaotic planning or something like that. You're just closing your eyes and throwing it at a dartboard. Hope, it make, hope you hit it. Like it's not, you're not going to hit every pick. It's a fact of the matter. You're not going to hit every pick. These got these linebackers we just talked about. Every team thought they hit, and a lot of these guys that we just talked about are not hitters, and some of these guys aren't even in the NFL anymore. Like that's the sad reality of the NFL draft. You think you're getting this transcendent guy, be a number one player, to be a face potential face of a franchise, and not it doesn't always work out like that. Sometimes teams figure it out a lot earlier than other teams that the guy they drafted at this exact pick, is just not going to work out. And that's okay. Cut your losses earlier than having be stuck with the situation later. Like, you look at the New York Jets. We talked about this. Just trade for Lamar Jackson. Cut your loss with Zach Wilson. Cut your loss with Zach Wilson. You look at the Tennessee Titans. They cut Isaiah Wilson, who they drafted the first round in 2020. They draft, They cut him in February 2022, or February 21. Less than a year since he got drafted. Or no, he said... He would never play, never play football for the Titans. And then he was traded for a, a, a Wilson in a seventh round pick. Were traded to the Miami Dolphins, exchanged for a seventh round pick. You were a first round draft pick in 2020, and you got traded for a seventh round pick. Less than a year later, eleven months later, you were traded for a seventh round pick. To go to the Dolphins. And then he was waived by the Dolphins three days later after not showing up, or after showing up late to his team physical and missing two workouts. And then. In September 29th, 2021, signed with the Giants practice squad. On January 4th, 2022, he was released. So in two years, less than two years, less than two years, because he was drafted on, when was the 2020 NFL draft? He was drafted on April 23rd, 2020. On January 4th, 2022, he was out of the NFL. So that's a situation of just cutting your losses. You missed, you built, you went off of the physical trades because he was a very physical specimen. Six foot six, 350 pounds. You look for players like that. Played at Georgia. Went up against the best of the best. He had two years of eligibility left. He was really raw, but you believed in your system, your, your development team, and you thought you could build something there, and it didn't work out. And you cut your losses, trading for a seventh-round pick a year after, less than a year after you drafted him, and now we're stuck here. And that's exactly the same thing the Jets should do. Exact same thing. Trade for Lamar. Like, as a, as a neutral. As a Bills fan, don't trade for Lamar. Don't trade it. You have faith in Zach Wilson. Hold on to that hope that Zach Wilson is going to be a legit NFL starter. Hold on to that because that would make me very happy. Like you look, the This pick was laughed at at the time, but Jalen Rager, just looking at the 2020 draft, one pick before Justin Jefferson, now he's his backup. 
in Minnesota. When the Eagles drafted Jalen Rager 21, 21st overall in 2020, that was seen as a stupid pick at the time because given what Justin Jefferson just did at LSU with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase winning a national championship and all that, Jalen Rager had the speed to be a potential Nelson Aguilar replacement even though he was just Nelson Aguilar 2.0. Do you think when they drafted him 21st overall in 2020 that in two years he'd be playing as a backup to the guy they drafted him before? Like, Jalen, just as I know stats aren't necessarily the whole end-all, be-all in college in regards to what they could be in the NFL level, because you look at George Kittle. George Kittle never put up any numbers similar to what he's doing in the NFL. Same with Josh Allen. Like, you can get better in the NFL. So I'm not saying this is like, you shouldn't have drafted him over this. There were other factors other than him having just 1,000-yard season. He'd only had 67 yards over 1,000. Justice Jefferson had 1,500 yards in 2019. 1,500 yards. Dude had 67 yards over 1,000. And then he got beat by 500 for Justin Jefferson in the in the SEC. Like, it was a weird pick at the time. It looks even weirder now. Like, keep scrolling up. Like, Noah Igabinagane from the, the Miami Dolphins taken from Auburn. He has done nothing. I haven't. I forget this guy got drafted in the first round. Jeff Gladney got cut from the Minnesota Vikings. Clyder Zolaire hasn't been worth a first-round draft pick. He's going to get benched for Isaiah Pacheco. When you look at it, they could have drafted Jonathan Taylor, who went 41st. That makes it a little bit more sour for Chiefs fans. Who could have had Jonathan Taylor and Patrick Mahomes? You know how unfair that is? How ridiculously unfair that is? Jordan Love was 26th overall. We'll see how he does. Kent Murray, the Chargers at 23. Damon Arnett, as far as I'm aware, not in the NFL anymore, was seen as a reach at the time. But that was the stretch where the Raiders were just reaching for anything. Reaching for absolutely everything. A.J. Terrell was seen as a reach at the time because he got absolutely torched by Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in the semi in the national championship game. And he's turned out to be a really good player. It seemed to be an anomaly rather than a natural thing. Mekhi Becton hasn't played football in two years. C.J. Henderson, is he still in the, are you still in the Panthers? Didn't know that. He got traded from the the Jaguars to the Panthers. Wouldn't have didn't know he was still on the Panthers. Man, this is a the NFL draft's not a it's an inexact science. You try to take it, I you try to take a guy. I saw a redraft that had the Bengals taking Justin Herbert number one said Joe Burrow. Why the hell would that happen? I like Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert. If we did a redraft, we'll go number two. I'm not saying that Justin Herbert. There is a stupid, ridiculous horrific take to have Justin Herbert go number one overall. Because he would go number two. It's just the fact Joe Burrow's there. And I love Justin Herbert. I really like Justin Herbert. But I'm not ready to call him better than Joe Burrow. I've said it before, Joe Burrow is the third best quarterback in the NFL. I, I see it on Twitter all the time. People go like, oh, look at Josh Burrow. Why is Josh Allen and Joe Burrow compared? Well, the fact that he's never recorded a fourth quarter touchdown in the playoffs or overtime. Quarter touchdown in the playoffs. Him and Josh's numbers in the playoffs are not very similar, but because Joe Burrow won the games, it kind of, you know, people skew that in the way of, man, Joe Burrow's better. He's not. He's good. It's nothing taken away from Joe Burrow. It's just Josh Allen is better than him. That's that's fine. It's perfectly fine. But he won the he won the war. He won the war. Josh Allen won the battles. He won the war. He won, he won the... Josh won the statistical games. Joe Burrow won the bat, won the wars because he went to the Super Bowl, went to an AFC Championship game, beat Josh Allen in the playoffs because, you know, it's just a one-on-one quarterback battle thing. 
whatever. Oh my goodness. Is that all I really got to talk about today? I don't really think I have a whole lot, but it's just, it's fun. Since we're 20 ways away from the draft, it's just fun to like look back and go, wow, a lot of these players didn't work out. And it's the sad reality of the draft. Your team's going to draft somebody that you think might suck and they're going to turn out to be really, really good. Cardinals thought they got an absolute steal getting Rosen at 10. Where the hell happened then? A year later, they drafted Kyler Murray. <laughs> the Jets thought they, they were printing shirts that said, thank you, Giants, when they passed on Darnold for Saquon Barkley. They traded Darnold to the Panthers, now got a worse quarterback in Zach Wilson. <laughs> it's just funny how this all works out. It's funny how it all works out. Because you think your team, the Saints traded their entire draft for Rookie Williams. And they Edron James went a pick earlier. Everybody freaked out at the Saint. The Colts were drafting Edron James. Everybody freaked. They booed Don McNabb when the Eagles drafted him second overall. Both the Colts and Saints came out better than that. And Ricky Williams is a baller. I don't want to take anything away from Ricky Williams when he was on the field, baller. But Edron James, Hall of Famer, Don McNabb, the greatest quarterback in Eagles history, arguably. I mean, Jalen Hurts going to have a say in that. Obviously, Randall Cunningham's going to have a say in that. Ronald Ronald Ron Jaworski is going to have a say in that. Probably someone else I'm completely forgetting about. Jalen Hurts, I don't know if I mentioned him. He'll have a say in that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see when Jalen Hurts gets paid. I'm very intrigued to see when he gets paid. I had a graphic. Oh, yeah. This is since, you know, talking about the NFL. The Cardinals and Panthers are both reportedly getting new uniforms in 2023. Who else needs a redesign? Well, I've wanted the Cardinals and Panthers to get a redesign. It's not even that I think the Panthers jerseys are bad. I don't think they're bad at all. I just need them to get updated because they've had the same uniforms for freaking ever. The Broncos need a redesign. The Denver Broncos need a redesign. I hate the Broncos uniforms. Anybody else really need a redesign? The Dolphins just need to go back to the retro uniforms. I hate the Jets uniforms. I hate the green helmets. Uh, Who else needs a really bad? The Commanders. I know they just had a redesign. Do it again. Anybody else needs the Falcons? I know they just had a redesign. Do it again. <laughs> the Rams. Rams aren't as bad as what they first what they, the first with Seahawks. I think need a rebrand. Not, again, this is not like completely trashing the uniforms or like saying get rid of them. Uh, get rid of and burn the neon green uniforms. But other than that, yeah. But the Cardinals and Panthers need updated. And I saw something earlier today. It was like they're not getting replaced. They're uh they're not. It's not a redesign. The color corrections bring out a. Re- this is what uh. Uh, Sheena, Mar- Sheena Mary, Sheena Marie, Sheena Quick on Twitter. I don't know what her connection to the Panthers is, but she's got a blue check mark, so we had to believe her. On the Panthers' new uniforms, quote, this is not a redesign, this is a color correction to bring our uniforms more in line with our true color, process blue. Didn't know that was the first color, what the color was. When Nike took us on in 2012, which feels like, wow, 2012. I was in middle school. I remember when those uniforms were getting, when Nike first bought the rights. They chose the color in their color book that was the closest to our blue. They now have a better color match. The shoulder stripe stops short of going under the armpit as part of change made by Nike to accommodate the new technology related to increased mobility. We are not removing silver. The jerseys for our number one draft choice will reflect our updated color of blue. We are not changing our logo. The updated blue is consistent with the blue that our fans see in our end zones. Okay, so they're just updating the blue. Cardinals, need. I, I want to see what the Cardinals can do. I, again, I don't hate the Cardinals uniforms. I don't hate the Panthers uniforms. I just want to see them get updated a little bit. Jeez, I, I forgot about this graphic. The last time each NFL team drafted running back in the first round. This is topical right now. So we just talked about that. I wish I remembered I had this graphic earlier. Uh, Cardinals took Beanie Wells in 2009. TJ Duckett, fullback running back hybrid, went to the Falcons in 02. 
Jamal Lewis, Ravens in 2000. C.J. Spiller, we talked about him going to the Bills in 10. Could have drafted a running back the past two years. Brees Hall, Travis Etienne were two guys I really wanted, but alas. Chris McCaffrey went to the Panthers in 2017. Cedric Benson in 2005. Chris Perry going to the Bengals in 2004. Trent Richardson, the legend himself, one of the greatest drafts ever. Trent Richardson and Brandon Whedon going to the first round for the same team is ridiculously hilarious. Ezekiel Elliott going to the Cowboys in 2016. Nosha Moreno to the Broncos in 09. Javid Best going to the Lions in 2010. Daryl Thompson to the Packers in 1990. Texans have never done it. Colts taking Donald Brown in 09. Travis at the end of the Jaguars. Clyde Rosalera to the Chiefs. Josh Jacobs to the Raiders in 2019. We have... Why is this popping up? Why do I care about this? Hold up. Why is my my graphics messing up here? There we go. Uh, Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon, the LA teams, both getting drafted in 2015. Then we have Ronnie Brown in 05, Adrian Peterson in 07, Sony Michelle in 2018, Melvin or Melvin, Mark Ingram in 11, Saquon Barkley in 18, Blair Thomas to the Jets in 1990, Keith Keith Byers to the Philadelphia Eagles, Najee Harris to the Steelers in 2021. William Floyd going to the 49ers in 94, Rashad Penny in 2018, Doug Martin in 2012 to the Bucks, Chris Johnson in 2008, and Ray McDonald to the Washington Commanders in 1967. And I saw another graph. This one's just kind of funny. It has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but I just thought this was funny. Total weight in pounds of each MLB team's 26-man roster. Interesting fact, one major league baseball team weighs roughly the same as one adult male rhino. 5,300 pounds per Wikipedia. So as of right now, uh, one adult male rhino, again, 5,300 pounds, source Wikipedia. There are five teams that weigh less than an adult rhino. The Cubs are just above that. They weigh 5,361 pounds. Again, that's 61 pounds over the male adult rhino. And the Brewers weigh as much of an adult rhino with eight jugs of water, 5,640 pounds. Now, they got some beefies on the Milwaukee Brewers roster, namely Rowdy Telez, big, big boy Rowdy Telez. I believe they also have Luke Voigt, who's also a big guy who made me do the Arnold Schwarzenegger impression at when I was working for the I-Cubs. Victor Caratini's a bigger dude. Yeah, there's some big, there's some bigger guys on the the Brewers roster for the Cubs. I mean, they had Victor Caratini. They Dan Vogelback plays for the Mets. Where do they rank on this? He's a big boy. The Mets come in. Where are they at? The Mets weigh let. Wow, I thought Dan Vogelback would bring them all the way up, but I guess not. I guess not. The Kansas City Royals. Man, I didn't think they'd be that tubby of a team. Are they that tubby of a team? I feel like they're a really young team, so I didn't think they'd be really that big. But I guess I'm wrong. I guess I was wrong. But with that being said, with the adult weight, or with the weight of an MLB team and comparing that to a Rhino, I think that's a good spot to end on this show. I don't know if you thought the show was good or not today, but um, don't judge the show as a whole from this one episode if you didn't like it. <laughs> I think it's better than this episode. But a reminder, we're probably not going to have a show on Monday. We might surprise you, but who knows? Could be an Easter miracle. We'll have to wait and see. But I hope you did enjoy this show. If not, I sincerely apologize. It'll probably be better next time. I'm going to get something to eat, and I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.